Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and she, they pronouns, a community engagement manager here at MCP. And I am joined by a cognitive scientist, educator, and author of the book, Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning, who also once won a prize for knowing more digits of pi than anyone else in the room, which is fascinating, by the way, Dr. Pooja Agarwal. Welcome, Dr. Agarwal. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tony Rose. I'm so excited and happy to be here. I'm like so nervous about this because I've been such a huge fan of yours. So this is really like a dream come true for me. (laughs) Thank you. I love opportunities to share the science of learning. uh, And I'm such a fan too. Yay. Um, Well, it's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. So before we get started, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I slept well um, and I had a really engaging week with my students. I teach 83 college students, uh, which is quite a lot. Um, And this week we talked about science and the process of science. And um, we talked about sleep, actually. And it just it was such an engaging, fun, rewarding week for me. Uh, And so I'm feeling energized today and ready to jump in with all kinds of teaching stuff and can't wait to talk to you about it. I love all of that. I also slept really well last night, surprisingly, because I was super anxious about this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I forced myself to go to bed on a, you know, in a decent time. And I was like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be ready for today. (laughs) Great. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and start out. Tell tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are, as well as defining retrieval practice. Thanks so much for asking. Um, my name again is Dr. Pooja Agarwal. I use she, her pronouns, and I am a scientist. I've been conducting research on how students learn and forget uh, for about 15 years, and I'm also a teacher. I began my career as a fourth and fifth grade teacher. I'm now a college professor at the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. If uh, you watched that movie, the recent movie, um, Oh, ironically, I'm blanking on the name that won the Oscar, uh, Coda. If you watch the movie Coda or um, if you're familiar with Juilliard, Berkeley is in Boston and it's kind of like Juilliard, but cooler. <laughs> and it's one that the main character in Coda, that's the school she wants to go to. Um, now, I personally am not a musician. Uh, I did recently take accordion lessons, but uh, I love being able to teach science uh, with musicians at a music and dance conservatory. Um, so that's a little bit of background about music me, um, retrieval practice is one of the most powerful foundational strategies for improving students' long-term learning. And not just their memorization, but really helping students understand and apply concepts they've learned. Uh, And retrieval practice is just simply bringing information to mind, engaging in that little mental struggle. Um, Yesterday, my students and I talked about neuroscience and the anatomy of the brain. We had also talked about neuroscience uh, a few weeks ago and being an informed consumer and not being duped by brain images. 
And when I was starting this lesson on neuroscience yesterday, I asked my students, what do you remember about our conversation about the brain from two weeks ago? And there's just this silence in my classroom, which feels uncomfortable for some people. And it feels like students aren't being engaged, but that's actually the most important or one of the most important stages of learning is that thinking, that retrieval. If you use think, pair, share in your classroom, for example, we skip the think step too often. (laughs) So I asked my students to think and retrieve. What do they remember about our conversation from two weeks ago? And retrieval practice happens in everyday life when you're thinking about and telling someone a story about your um, favorite vacation or what you did last weekend. That's all retrieval practice, mentally time traveling and bringing that information to mind. I love all of that. And I remember that as soon as I had come across all of the stuff that you'd been doing, I was so amazed. And I like literally implemented it the next day in my classrooms. And um, and you're so right. That silence is so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as a teacher, I'm like, come on, y'all got this. Like five <laughs> seconds pass. And I'm like, okay, well, never mind. I'll let you know. <laughs> Uh, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, Tony Rose, um, can you share an example or a strategy that you implemented right away to encourage students to use retrieval practice? Yeah, one of the things that I really enjoyed was the retrieval notes, right? Um, of just really asking students, what do you remember as opposed to what do you memorize or what do you like for memorization? Um And that was just something that I didn't want to do with my students anymore. And I knew that as a teacher, I needed them to really think deep about what they're learning and remember what they're learning, because I feel like that's a really great way to bring up the topics that we've covered in the past. And so um, what I did right away was that I essentially, students watched an instructional video, right? Because in our community here at Modern Classrooms, we have instructional videos instead of lectures. And instead of having guided notes, I told my students, you're going to watch the video and that's all you're doing. And then right after that, you're going to do retrieval notes and write down everything that you remembered. And it brought out so like some really great conversations because I caught students misconceptions or I saw what their key takeaways were. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) you're so far off. (laughs) Let's talk about this. And so I thought that that was such a great way instead of telling my students to multitask, you know, like taking notes while they're watching the video. That to me, like my, my videos were five minutes, but it was taking my students 30 minutes with guided notes. Yeah, And I said, they're not getting the stuff that I'm teaching them. So I really wanted to do retrieval notes for students and they loved that much more. And I mean, granted, it allowed for them to also take that time to process at the end. Um, because like you said, processing time is so important. Um, and as I get older, I realize as well as, you know, a, as a learner, I need a lot of process time. Mm-hmm. And for me to actually like have a deeper understanding of what I'm learning. I want to retrieve it from what I've learned, what my key takeaways are after watching that webinar, after being in this training to see if I actually got it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. After watching a video, after reading a book is to just 
sit for a minute and retrieve it. Um, one thing I mention often is how often um, all of us as teachers have been in meetings where even in meetings, they're started by here's what we talked about last time and here's what we're going to talk about today. Even in faculty meetings, we can start by retrieving what is something we remember from our last faculty meeting that engages us right away to start thinking, to retrieve, to boost our own memories and learning, and then to move forward. And exactly as you said, Tony Rose, it just leads to such richer discussion when we give students time and give ourselves that processing time. Absolutely. Yeah, and it also gets them to shift, right? Especially if we think about our students who have seven, eight classes a day. Um, Having that discussion in the beginning of like, hey, what do you remember from our last class really gets them to shift their thinking from science class to English class or, you know, from math class to music class, whatever that class may be. Yeah, that's a great point. I I need to keep that in mind as my students. I know, of course, my students have so many other classes uh, on their plate, but that's a great benefit. I love thinking about that is how it shifts students to to be prepared for what they're about to learn. Um, You also mentioned, Tony Rose, a really, um, I don't know, fantastic, amazing benefit of retrieval is that it not only boosts our students' long-term learning, it provides us as educators with formative feedback. You mentioned that through students taking the retrieval notes after the video, you got a sense of what misconceptions students had, what they pulled out from the videos. Um, So I love hearing that formative assessment or formative feedback was really helpful for you too. Yeah. And I mean, again, you know, it was more um, sustainable and much more engaging for my students rather than me having, again, a guided notes template of fill in the blanks and, you know, doing all of that. So it really allowed for students to take ownership and accountability with what they were taking notes on. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah, so our educator community focuses on blended learning, self-paced structure, and mastery-based learning, right? So how can retrieval practice help with any or all of the three? One simple example I've been thinking about when it comes to self-paced learning, um, especially in the context of our education system today, whether it's students self-paced learning in the classroom with us or it's their self-paced learning at home, students can do the exact same type of retrieval practice exercises at home independently, taking ownership at their own pace. For example, if students are watching a YouTube video at home or it's embedded in their LMS, we could encourage our students to just watch the video and to take notes afterwards rather than those guided notes. And by modeling those strategies in our classrooms, students can adopt those as study strategies in a self-paced way outside of class. Another example for my own teaching is that my students um, complete mini quizzes outside of class asynchronously on a Google form that then we talk about in class. And my students can take their time with these Google forms. I have videos embedded. I've got retrieval questions. I ask them what they remember from class last week. And some of my students can write and write and write. They're excellent writers, and they just provide so much reflection at their own pace, and they're engaging in retrieval practice. Some of my students kind of go through those mini quizzes a little bit 
uh, more quickly, and yet it's still at their own pace. I was actually just talking with a teacher yesterday about how he was struggling to understand the prior knowledge students were bringing when they would show up to class. And by providing my students these written mini quizzes outside of class, it helps them pace and retrieve what they do or don't know because, of course, all of us have experienced a set of students who all start at different levels. And that's where self-pacing is so important. And again, the more we can model strategies like a brain dump, asking students to write down everything they know is something they can adopt in a self-paced way at home. So I hope those are some helpful tips because retrieval applies in the classroom. And the more we do it in the classroom, the more students feel confident doing it independently on their own outside the classroom. And I really love that you pointed that out at home, right? Uh, My favorite thing about the instructional videos is that now as a teacher, I am being brought at home with caregivers and families to learn alongside their student, right? And so families and caregivers can actually practice those retrieval practices as well with their students. So, and the conversation at home is a lot richer as well. So I know at my old school, we had guided questions for our caregivers to ask their students about what they're learning. And that was really useful for our caregivers because then it, 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 create such a deeper conversation over dinner or on their ride home or whatever that may be, right? Oh, yeah. And actually on the ride home, um, one question I love um, mentioning or encouraging us to think about is uh, oftentimes on the ride home, caregivers might ask um, students or children, what did you learn in school today? And you may have experienced a, a response of, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Or IDK, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, When we ask students, what do you remember from, what did you learn in school yesterday? So now what did you learn in school today? That's kind of, you know, fresh in their minds. It's not all that novel. But when we ask students, what did you learn in school yesterday? I find that their eyes light up. There's a challenge and they really like that challenge. That's what we call spacing in the scientific literature. There's so much research, not only supporting the benefits of retrieval practice, but this added boost from spacing, spacing out students learning, bringing information back to mind from yesterday is an added challenge. So in that caregiver context, definitely think about asking, um, what did you learn in school yesterday rather than today? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> hey listeners, it's Tony Rose here with some announcements and reminders. If you and or your teacher bestie are interested in the virtual mentorship program, we do have scholarships available. Make sure to check out modernclassrooms.org scholarships. We have regional scholarships available for educators in Baltimore City, New York City, D.C., Chicago, Tulsa County, and the Twin Cities that include full tuition, a year of implementation support, and a $500 stipend for finishing the program. We are continuing our scholarship across the state of Indiana, which includes implementation support and 30 PGPs. Any educator in the state can enroll right now at modernclassrooms.org indiana. We also have partnerships with districts across the country who are paying for educators to go through our training. As for professional learning, make sure to check out our webinars page on modernclassrooms.org webinars. And to connect with our community, join our Twitter chat on the first Wednesday of the month and our virtual meetup on the second Wednesday of the month. Both are at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and we hope to connect with you outside of our podcast. 
anything else that educators should know or be reminded of about student learning? One of the biggest things to keep in mind about student learning is that students forget. So often we are so down on ourselves when our students forget. What we know for more than 100 years of research is that forgetting is good for learning. And making mistakes, as we know, is good for learning. So when it comes to implementing retrieval practice, students might feel stumped. They may feel embarrassed that they don't remember anything or, or students may retrieve incorrect information. We need to normalize forgetting in our classrooms for our students as caregivers. Forgetting is a good thing. It's challenging. That's what makes retrieval practice powerful. We talk about this often in our book, Powerful Teaching, that we need that moment to think like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, because that little bit of forgetting is what boosts our learning. So in that way, it might sound counterintuitive, but for example, my music students know that they have to practice every day. They can't just cram before a recital. The reason they practice every day is because that little bit of forgetting helps them learn more the next time they practice their instruments. So one more thing I would encourage educators to keep in mind is that forgetting is good for learning, and we need to normalize that with our students. Thank you so much for that reminder, as well as that permission, right, to normalize forgetting and also embracing the mistakes. I think sometimes I know when I was teaching, I always forgot (laughs) that, you know, students forget. And that was a thing, right? I forgot that they forget. And it's like, okay, come on now. (laughs) Yeah, right. You want to rush them, but we actually need them to struggle. That's where the magic happens. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of discomfort with sitting in silence as well as like giving the the processing time and then also like students forgetting, but it's all part of the learning process. So thank you again for that reminder. Um, And so Dr. Agarwal, how can our listeners connect with you? I would love to share more of the science of learning. If you would like more tips, quick strategies for your classroom, research from the science of learning, I encourage you um, to get a a copy of our book, Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning. I also have a wealth of free resources and downloads at my website, retrievalpractice.org. And I'm also on Twitter, at RetrieveLearn. We have a Facebook group, so please, please um, get engaged with us. We, as scientists, love talking about retrieval practice and the science of learning. So we've got a book, Powerful Teaching, and um, check out my website, retrievalpractice.org. Thank you so much for all the free resources. I know I always look forward to that every week. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is something cool. Oh, this is something cool. So thank you. Um, And so with that, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and experiences, Dr. Agarwal. This was definitely such an enlightening and insightful conversation. Listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 115. We'll have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classrooms blog on Friday, so be sure to check there or check back in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org 
And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Thank you.